Welcome to the Moses Lake Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This episode is from a recent message given by our pastor, Dennis Fountain. We hope this sermon will be an encouragement to you, and we would love to hear how God used it in your life. Well, Luke chapter 16 is where we're going to be tonight, and um, I hope that... uh, I hope it's been a good week for you. I hope that you have, uh, even in the midst of all the chaos, just been reminded of God's control. And I know that it's been a challenging week uh, watching things that we've seen. And I don't know if you're paying attention to the news yesterday. Uh, and then in the midst of the new year, I saw someone posted, well, that was a fun five days. Where's 2022 or something like that? And uh, you know, it just made me laugh. But uh, I'm thankful uh, for the new year, and I'm thankful for what God is going to do this year. And I'm looking forward to tonight's message, and I think it'll be something that'll help. It's a familiar passage that I've preached before, uh, but something that I really believe tonight would, just, uh, would, would be enlightening in, uh, as we come into a new year. Regardless of what age you are, you have probably uh, played make-believe. Everybody's done it. Uh, You think about it, whether you're a superhero that's saving the world or a police officer that's overcoming evil, or maybe you were a race car driver and you believed that uh, you were, you know, on that last turn. Uh, Perhaps you did the make-believe thing of playing house with your friends and you got to be the dad or or you got to be the bossy mom or whatever the case might be. Uh, We've all lived... We've all lived at times in an alternative reality. Um, in our home, it's often superheroes. Superheroes or Star Wars. It's kind of the two things that the kids play often. And uh, many times there's discussions. And the other night we had one such discussion. It was on, uh, I believe, Monday night. And all of us, my wife Hannah and I were sitting there our three kids, and then, of course, Tommy, Savannah, and Asher, who have been with us for six months, and then Tom, their dad, was in town. Hannah's brother was in town. So all nine of us were sitting there, and uh, we were having, having discussion at dinner, and uh, I came in a little bit late, and I sat down to hear, no, Spider-Man would whoop him. <laughs> no, no, Spider-Man would not beat Mandalorian. Well, yes, he could, and then, then they begin discussing, well, who would win out of Batman and the Hulk? Well, who would win? And they all, they just kept going. And all these kids, all the the kids were kind of talking through it and discussing it. They weren't arguing, just presenting their case. Well, no, Spider-Man has silly string. Well, Batman has all his creation. Well, Mandalorian has the steel armor. And they just kept going. Until finally, as their discussion kind of began to hit a pinnacle point, I just said, well, Tom and I could take them all. (laughs) And the little kids all started laughing. And I went, no, no, we could. And Dennis and Lena, they went, yeah, yeah, they could. And, uh, you know, Tommy and Savannah and Mike kind of looked at them like, are you nuts? They couldn't take them. And I looked, I looked at Micah, and right when I made eye contact with him, he went, oh, yeah, they could take them. <laughs> and the other three just kind of looked in at Micah like, why the change of heart? And Micah went, well, it's because Dad and Uncle Tom, they're real. And he knew exactly what I was saying. He knew exactly where I was going because we're real. And he knew that I was saying, hey, what you guys are talking about, it is a fake reality. You know what? Kids can often get caught up in a fake reality. 
can't they? Kids can get up and make believe. And I know we had to go through it with all three of our kids where we had to really legitimately convince them that certain things weren't real. Certain movie characters, for Dennis, it was Astro Boy. He, you know, when he was so little, he would, he would literally watch Astro Boy and he would just lay on the ground. And he was like, when I grow up, I'm gonna be Astro Boy. He's like three and four years old. And he hit a point, didn't he? Like about six years old where I was like, Dennis, Astro Boy's a cartoon. He's like, no, it's not that. It's, it's a cartoon, he's not real. Every now and then reality has to be kind of put in check. You know what I fear is that some Christians, we may not live in a superhero altern- alternate reality, but we often need a reality check. We need to be reminded about what is true, what is real, and what is important. Because if we're not careful, we, like children, can often get caught up in our false realities. And what God's laid on my heart this week, he laid on it very clearly. And tonight I wanna give us a reality check. I want us to open up God's word and I want us to be reminded again of truths that are real, things that are real, and really just reality in general. Luke chapter 16, take your Bible if you would, and let's go there. Luke chapter 16 And uh, let's stand and let's go to Luke 16. Let's just read a few verses together. Luke 16, verse 19, down through verse number 31. Luke 16, 19, it says this. There was a certain rich man which was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. And there was a certain beggar named Lazarus which was laid at his gate full of sores and desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. And it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. And in hell he lift up his eyes, being in torments and seeing Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and Send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. But Abraham said, Son, remember that thou in thy lifetime receivest thy goods, and likewise Lazarus evil things. But now he is comforted, thou, and thou art tormented. And beside all this, between us and you, there is a great gulf fixed. So that they which would pass from hence to you cannot, neither can they pass to us that would come from thence. Then he said, I pray thee therefore, Father, that thou wouldest send him, Lazarus, to my father's house, the rich man's house. Verse 28. He said, For I have five brethren that he may testify unto them lest they also come into this place of torment. Abraham saith unto him, they have Moses and the prophets, let them hear them. And he said, nay, Father Abraham, but if one went unto them from the dead, they will repent. And he said unto him, if they hear not Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rose from the dead. You know, oftentimes, um, people look at this passage in Luke 16, and they think that it's a parable. 
But there's a big difference between this passage and other parables where Jesus would actually speak a parable. A parable would be just an illustration. Often Jesus would say, what I'm giving you is an illustration. There, you know, a parable, a, uh, there's a saying that says, or he would usually preface his parables. This one's not prefaced. I believe what we find in Luke chapter number 16, and I believe we're gonna see it tonight, I think it's, it's a reality check because what we're reading is real. The, the rich man was real. Lazarus was real. His family, the rich man's house was real. And what we're gonna look at tonight is just three simple thoughts, and I'll give them to you right now, and then we'll pray and be done. Not that fast, but <clears throat> I'll preach in between there too. Uh, but the reality is this. It's real, real people that we're gonna discover. It's real places. And then in the, mix, in the midst of all of this, there's a real proposition. There's something for us to get from this to be challenged with. And so let's pray, and let's, uh, let's ask the Lord to, to help us tonight. Dear God, I just want to come before you and want to thank you for your word and how it applies to us. And Lord, I pray that tonight that you would help us to hear exactly what you want us to hear. I pray, Father, that as we get into your word tonight, that you would challenge us, that you would speak to us. And Lord, that as we go through the message, that it would be your words that come out and your spirit that uses them to minister and speak into our lives. I pray, Lord, that you'd help us to have a reality check tonight, help us to be reminded of what's important and, Lord, of what, uh, what needs to um, capture our attention. I love you, Lord. Thank you for loving us. Pray that you bless our time. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. You can go ahead and be seated. If you have been uh, paying attention to our world over the last few months, it really seems as though uh, a lot of people have just lost their mind. Uh, it seems like people have become consumed with things that have caused them to lose focus on what really matters. And I, I think as it's happened especially to people who claim to be followers of God. And uh, especially uh, in recent days, but whether it would be a political unrest like we've seen through the summer or if you watched the TV yesterday or if it's been uh, the COVID-19 pandemic or even if it's just people kind of getting caught up in their own situations, all too often a lot of Christians allow themselves to begin living in a false reality. And so tonight as we look at this, I want us just to have this reality check. And so in order to have a reality check, I want us to see these three thoughts. Number one, I want you to notice that our passage speaks of real people. It speaks of, of two very real people. Notice in Luke chapter 16, verse number 19, we find the first person. The first person is named a certain rich man. There was a certain rich man which was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. We don't know a lot about this rich man. We don't know his name, but we do know his status. We could figure out some things about his life, and we actually could figure out some things about his character. What do we read? We read that he was a rich man. The phrase rich man right here, it means to be abundantly wealthy. It doesn't mean that he was just, uh, he was just kind of comfortable. This man was uh, abundantly wealthy. The Greek term that would be used there would be describing somebody who had more money than they knew, they, than they knew what to do with. That's who it's describing. So he's a rich man. <coughs> Excuse me, we find that uh, not only listed with the phrase rich man, but then it says that he was clothed in purple and fine linen. That phrase clothed in purple, it would be the clothing of royalty. 
royalty would be given this, not that he was royal, but it was so expensive that only royalty had it. It was made from different dyes that would be imported from uh, rare shellfish or mussels in, the, in foreign seas that they would import and then create this dye to make this purple clothing that they would wear. That's a very expensive thing. The fine linen, this would refer to clothing as well as bedding that would be, uh, be made from silk that would be imported from Egypt. Uh, so all of these things, just to simply say, this man was a very, very wealthy man. He's a very wealthy man. He fared sumptuously. That means he lived magnificently. So not only was he wealthy, but he also liked to flaunt his wealth. He not only was he rich with the uh, clothed in, in purple and the fine linen and everything, he liked everybody to know how wealthy he was. Well, that's going to take some doing. If you're wealthy and you want other people to know it, that means you've got to spend your wealth to help other people see how wealthy you are. If someone's doing that, they're probably pretty wealthy. He was a rich man. He fared sumptuously, but we can find from his character that he was probably also a very proud man. So he's a rich man, but he's also a proud man. How do we find he's a proud man? Well, because of the phrase, fared sumptuously. He wanted people to know. But also, and we're going to talk about this in a little bit, we find this man is reminded that in his lifetime, verse number 25, the Lord Sarah Abraham says to him that in your life you receivest your goods. Verse number 25, look at it. He said, but Abraham said, son, remember that thou in thy lifetime receivest thy good things. This phrase in its context would mean that this rich man, he found great pleasure and great satisfaction in his goods. And it would mean that he prided himself in his riches so much so that that was really the reality that defined him. My finances define who I am. He's a rich man, he's a proud man, but we also know from the context, he was a greedy man. He's a greedy man. Nowhere in this passage do we read, nor does it insinuate that this man ever gave to Lazarus, the beggar that sat at his gate. As a matter of fact, when Abraham's speaking to him, Abraham said, in your life you were comforted and Lazarus was tormented, but now you're tormented and Lazarus is comforted. So there's insinuation there that, hey, in your life you never, ever reached out. You never helped others. This man, no doubt, would just pass by Lazarus each and every day. And uh, one man wrote it this way, we are not told that he abused him or forbade him his gate or did any harm to him, but it's implied that he slighted him. He had no concern for him, took no care about him. Speaking of the rich man with Lazarus. So he's a rich man. He's a proud man. He's a greedy man. It's a real person. We find a certain rich man was real, but also we find that a certain beggar was real. A certain beggar is listed, verse 20 and 21. And there was a certain beggar named Lazarus, which was laid at his gate, the rich man's gate, full of sores, desiring to be fed with the crumbs, which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. We find a number of things about about Lazarus in this. We find first that he's a beggar. So what is that? He's a poor man. He's a poor man. Unlike the rich man, Lazarus is listed as poor. He was destitute of wealth. He, uh, he is reduced to the life of begging in order to just live. Probably not a beggar by choice, but a beggar because he truly has nothing. We can find that he's a poor man, a beggar, but we also can guess from scripture that he's a lame man. 
that Lazarus would be a lame man. Why? Because of the phrase that he was laid at the gate. So it's helping us understand that people probably had to, get, had to carry Lazarus each and every day to, to the gate of the rich man so that he could beg, so that he could uh, ask people for help and beg for money to survive. We find that he was a sick man. It says that he was full of sores. This means that he had a number of ulcers. The phrasing here would be the ulcers that would have just an open wound on the skin. It was so bad that the dogs would come and lick it, either A, because he was helpless to defend himself, or B, because they were a comfort to him and maybe cleaning up the wound or whatever. But we, we don't know a lot about Lazarus. We don't know a lot about the rich man, except they were real people who had real lives just like you and I. They were real people. One was rich, one was, one was poor. One had a uh, um, good life going on, one had a rough life going on. I think what the Lord is trying to help people see is real people. Two real people at the very opposite ends of the spectrum. We find real people tonight, but then secondly, the other thing that is real is the real places that are spoken about. Real places. In this story, there's two specific places that are spoken of. Luke 16, 22 tells us of the first. It came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died, and he was buried. And in hell, he lift up his eyes, being in torments. Both of these men, they had one thing in common, death. One was rich, one was poor. One had a great life, one had a horrible life, but they both had an appointment with death. Hebrews 9, 27, it says, and it's appointed unto man once to die, but after this, the judgment. You know that death is no respecter of persons. Unfortunately, death is going to come to everybody. And unless the rapture takes place in your lifetime, it will come to you. One man said it this way, death is the common lot of the rich and the poor, the godly and the ungodly. There at death, they meet together. Death is for everybody. But death isn't the end of it because we find these two places spoken about first, we find one of them spends an eternity in heaven. We read through the passage that this man, Lazarus, he's carried, it says in verse number 24, uh, verse number 23, in hell he lift up his eyes, being in torments, and seeth uh, Abraham afar off, and Lazarus in his bosom. Now, for years, um, people have taught, and there's others that still teach us, and that's fine for them to teach it, but that Abraham's bosom was just kind of this, uh, it's God's phrasing for, for heaven, and it's this huge, expansive thing. But I think if you read that, you can, you can see exactly what it is. Uh, Abraham would be someone that all Jews looked up to. Lazarus, being a Jewish man, would be wanting, perhaps, to see Abraham when he goes into eternity. And so what do we find? We find that the rich man in hell looks across the, the great gulf fix and he looks across and he sees Abraham, literally Abraham, holding or hugging Lazarus. That's what it means that he was in his bosom. He was, he was embracing him. But the context helps us understand where he was embracing him was that they were in paradise. They were in heaven. So we read the beggar is in heaven receiving a hug from Abraham. I wonder, who are you looking forward to hug when you get to heaven? 
And I know that <clears throat> all of us, the first answer would be, well, the Lord. And I often talk about that and did a few weeks ago, uh, speaking about heaven on Sunday morning a, a few weeks ago, and just the idea of, man, being able to hug Christ. And I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to it. There's, <coughs> excuse me, there's certain people that, uh, man, when I, when I give them a hug, it's just kind of like, it's kind of like the, the weight is off my shoulders. I've always felt that way with my dad. When I give my dad a, dad a hug, I don't know why. Maybe it's because he's always, he, was always, he was always so much bigger than me. Now he's shrinking, and now I'm bigger. Do you feel safe in my arms, dad? Okay. So it's kind of like reverse now. You know what? Growing up, man, I want to give my dad a hug. And then uh, now that I'm married, when I give Hannah a hug, uh, man, it's, just, it's honestly, it's just like the pressures of life just dissipate. Uh, I can't imagine what it's going to be like hugging our Savior. I can't imagine what it's going to be like to just hold him and, and to feel his embrace. I think, that's what, I think that's what the excitement is. Remember your kids, those of you that have kids, the, you know, when they're a baby and you're hugging them, they're just kind of there. You know, they're just kind of, arms are flopping around. They don't really care. They're just like, feed me, you know, feed me and change my diaper. I know you exist, but I don't know who you are. But then when they hit that age, you know, at about two and three years old, and you remember opening the door after your first time of really being gone for a few days and them running to you, excited to see you, hopefully. <laughs> Man, I, I remember that many, many times just coming in and the kids, the kids coming up and just jumping and giving, giving daddy a big hug, just hugging my neck. Uh, man, it means so much more when they can embrace me back. I can't imagine how much more it's going to mean when, when Christ can embrace me back. Man, when I'm there as the little kid hugging Christ and he's there as my Savior just hugging me, I'm looking forward to hugging the Lord. Looking forward to hugging loved ones that we've lost. Looking forward to hugging my brother. Looking forward to hugging uh, people from our church. Looking forward to hugging Sam Stewart and, and Felix Avila. Looking forward to hugging Don Honeycutt and, and others that have gone before, and you're looking forward to, to hugging your loved ones and your grandparents and your uh, uh, cousins or whoever's lost, you've lost in life that, that's in heaven, you're looking forward to it. There's a lot more to look forward to in heaven, isn't there? And we're looking forward to those people, but I don't know about you, I'm looking forward to the mansions. What's that look like? Are they actual mansions or are they, are they rooms? Is it one big place or, you know, what, man, what's it, what's it look like? I'm looking forward to the streets of gold, street of gold. Is it just one that goes all the way around? I'm looking forward to the new Jerusalem, looking forward to the new heaven, the new earth. Man, man all of these things, the scripture has a lot to say about, about heaven. Jesus said this in John 14, two, in my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you to, and I go and prepare a place for you. First Peter uh, three, chapter one, verses three and four, Peter said this, blessed be the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us, listen, unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And here's what he said. We're begotten to an inheritance that is incorruptible, undefiled, fadeth not away, that's reserved forever in heaven for you. Now, there's a lot to look forward to in heaven, isn't there? Looking forward to those people, looking forward to the excitement of, of heaven, looking forward to no more disease, no more pain. Anybody looking forward to no more pain? I was talking to Dustin. He said, man, I hurt my back again the other day. I'm looking forward to never having those conversations again. Well, why could we look forward to it? 
because heaven's real. Heaven is very real. And Lazarus, he's there. Real people in a real place. The first real place is heaven. The second is an eternity in hell. An eternity in hell. We read about the rich man and the truth that he is not in heaven. Instead, he, being in torments, lifts up his eyes from hell. You see, just as heaven is a literal place, hell is also a literal place. Over 70 times, Jesus specifically mentions that there is a hell that people will spend eternity in. Hell is a place of torment. We find this man saying, uh, send Lazarus that he may dip his finger in water and put it on my tongue because I am tormented in this flame. A place of physical torment, that pain. Uh, I think hell is a place of emotional torment. Emotional torment of asking those questions. Why didn't I receive him? I, I wish I could tell them. Hell is not just a figment of imagination, as some uh, teaching would like to say nowadays, that, well, hell is just going to be a a state that your mind is in once you die. No, my friend, hell is a very real, painful, eternal place. Think about a couple of the torments of hell, remembering the, the life you lived, regretting the decisions that you made, recognizing that there's There's no way out. So we find this man in hell with the wrath of God abiding on him forever, a place of total separation from anything except for the screams of the suffering of others. So two things that we need to know. Real people, real places. The rich man and Lazarus, one's in heaven, one's in hell. Hell is a real place of torment. You'll never see the light of day where you'll be suffering for an eternity that is not made for mankind, but was made for the devil and his angels. But because of God's perfection, he has no alternative but to send people who reject him to hell. Hell is a real place and it's filled with real people. Heaven is a real place and it's filled with real people. But before I continue tonight, I just want to say that when we talk about real people, can we know that these are real people just like you and just like me? Real people who live their life with dreams, real people who got up and got dressed, real people who had excitement in getting married and saying, I do, real people who went through heartache. Real people who were excited about the graduation or the new birth. That's what heaven and hell is made up of. Real people. So we find real people who are in a real place. And so tonight I just close with a thought. And that's what I'm calling a real proposition. That's just a simple question. And it's this. Since heaven is real and hell is real, and I would add since people are real, What are you going to do about it? You see, I want you to notice something from our passage from the rich man in verse 27 and 28. Verse 27, the rich man says this. He says, I pray thee therefore, Father, Father Abraham, 
that thou wouldest send Lazarus to my father's house. For I have five brethren, that he may testify unto them, lest they also come into this place of torment. You know what the rich man realized there in eternity is he realizes where he is, that he's not getting out. Hey, I can't go to you and you're not coming to me. Will you send somebody to go tell my loved ones? And he, this uh, uh, rich man in hell, you know what he's passionate about? He's passionate about soul winning. He's passionate about people trusting Christ as Savior. Why? Because he knows there's no hope for me, but there's hope for somebody else. He becomes very concerned with his family, and he has a desire that his brothers would repent. And the word repent here means to change directions. I want my brothers to turn to to God. I want my brothers to turn from the direction they're going. The rich man is concerned that his brothers are going to end up the same place he is because he realizes they need to repent. And so tonight, I want to do this for us. As we can be as Christians consumed with a false reality, I want to bring kind of a somber thought to our minds tonight for a reality check. And I want us to understand that there are real people who will spend eternity in one of two real places. And if you are living and you know Jesus Christ as your Savior, you can help the outcome of somebody not ending up in the worst of those two places. You can help by telling people about Christ. So here's our reality check. We go through our lives each and every day. We go to our jobs. We make our meals. We check out at the grocery store. We drive through the restaurants. We go order our coffee. We check our mail, we make our plans, we go on our vacations, we do a lot of things, and sometimes we get caught up in those things, and we lose sight that all around us are people, and those people, they're real, and I want to challenge you with this tonight. I want to challenge you to ask God to help you to have passion for soul winning like this rich man. This rich man's passion was, I don't want anybody to end up here. May we as Christians have that. I don't want anybody to end up there. The second part of the challenge, I want to encourage you to be the answer. Be the answer to the prayer requests of those people in hell. Because this rich man, what God does is he opens up the, what Jesus does by teaching this story, this true story, he opens up the windows of eternity and lets us kind of glimpse in to understand that hell is filled with people just like the rich man. And with all they are, they're saying, I hope somebody goes and tells my loved ones. I hope somebody would go and tell my, my cousin." I hope somebody would go and tell my sibling. I hope somebody would go and tell my great, 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 great grandchildren that are alive right now. I hope somebody would realize that the lives that we get caught up in don't matter in light of eternity. 
God has given us this life to glorify him, to grow towards him, and to reach people with him. And in everything that's going on in our world, everything that's going on in our society with COVID and the riots and the political unrest and the uneasiness in in so many people, I want to encourage you tonight, don't get caught up in it because that's that's not what's real. What's real is heaven. What's real is people. And what's real is your and my opportunity to engage in helping others come to know Christ. And so I want to encourage you in 2021, don't lose sight of what's real. Instead, be intentional about investing Jesus into the lives of others. Look at every every relationship as an opportunity to present Christ. It doesn't mean that you have to go around and be that religious nutcase. You know, the one that's just walking up like, you're going to hell, you're going to hell, you're going to hell, you need Jesus, you're going to... You know, that's not what it means. No, it means this. I can be sensitive to God and ask God to help me to see the opportunities he brings my way. Because you know what God does? God brings us opportunities to tell others about him. And you may not be the person that brings that person to Christ, but you may be the next next person watering the seed that somebody else has planted. And you may never see that person at the gas pump again, but you took a a gospel track out and said, hey, I just wanted to give this to you. I want to invite you to our church, but on the back it tells you some verses about heaven. You may never know, but five years from now, someone else might talk to them, or two days from now, And God just uses believers along the way to invest Jesus into others. And pretty soon, you just have more believers continuing to invest Jesus in others. And so I really just want to encourage us, and I've been challenged by this this week because I found myself getting frustrated. I found myself changing the page on the year and thinking, man, I just, I just wish we could just, you know, I just wish we could be done. I wish we could, COVID would be over. I wish political unrest would be over. I wish, and I found myself just kind of getting ticked off. And you know what the Lord had to do? The Lord used my time with the Lord. In Colossians chapter three and verse number one, if ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth at the right hand of the throne of God. Set your affection on things above, not on things on this earth. And I had to go, oh, okay, this isn't what's real. And God brought my mind to Luke 16. You know what's real? People. You know what's real? Eternity. You know what's real? Our opportunity to help others come to know Christ as Savior. I wonder in 2021, in 2021, what appointments does God have already for you? Because there's people this year that God already in his calendar, right? God's not limited by time. He's already in the future. God is already saying, I'm gonna use them at this moment. I hope they're willing. What appointments does God have for you that you and I need to say, God, show me? Open my eyes this week. Open my eyes tomorrow at what appointments you have for me to invest you into others. I don't know where you're at. I don't know what you've been consumed with. But tonight, if it hasn't been this reality, allow God to give you a reality check. 
Thank you for listening to this message. We hope it's been an encouragement to you. And if you'd like any further information about our church, we'd like to encourage you to visit mlbc.church.